1: Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee and Nick Wagner, our favorite cast member who isn't always on the show, but he gets a lot of run on the show. He gets a lot of mentions, gets a lot of mentions. So shout out to Nick. He's joining us and he is going to on the 49ers. Let's get into it. All right, Chris is here, Nick's here. Nick, the 49ers your thoughts. <laughs> it's
2: a g- great great intro. Also, I like Thank that you. you I like it that you refer to me as your favorite cast member instead of saying where I actually work. You know, it be you can at least give the plug to the company,
1: you know, when you, when, you, when you introduce me, but sorry, Nick works for Disney. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Nick covers the 49ers for ESPN. I I uh I should have mentioned that in the intro. You're right, and see the 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 idea behind the intro is I record that separately while nobody else is here. But now that you've put it on blast, oh, that absolutely. you heard the intro, it really ruins the illusion. We'll, well put. That-
2: Part of my goal in coming on tonight was to show people how the sausage is made and really expose you in every way possible, Kyle. So uh, I hope that you can recover from this, but also I think it's important that the people know what's really going on here. Uh, somebody finally brought some alpha energy to the pod, and I don't know if you can handle it. I
1: think individually I can't handle it, but holistically I think I can handle it. <laughs>
3: Oh, man. Uh, So, Nick, we wanted to have you on because I I really enjoy your perspective. We talk at the 49ers facility all the time. Um, You have a great perspective. You're very plugged in. You're super smart. Um, So I want to ask you at two and three, based on what you've seen from the 49ers this year, how worried are you about what the end of the season is going to look like, whether that's a postseason berth or not getting to the playoffs or, not winning a playoff game if they do get there like where are you at in terms of your level of concern for this two and three team coming off its bye?
2: Yeah, it's really interesting because when they went into the buy and the first few days after the buy, I was working on a piece of kind of like who are the 49ers at the buy you know like what are they what are their weaknesses what are their strengths and and it's interesting because if you look at a lot of just the raw numbers, they're like middle of the pack. You know, they're like 12 to 15 range in a lot of the raw statistic things where you're like, hey, you know what, that's actually not that bad. It could go one way or the other. But there's a few things that kind of jump out to you that like set the alarm bells off a little bit that that aren't good because they're things that you would expect the Niners to be better at. Uh, One of them, you know, if you look at offensively, for example, I think offense, we would all agree probably has been their biggest issue, uh, at least kind of consistently putting drives together and putting points on the board through the first five games they're moving the ball as well as anybody in the league. I mean, like they're, I think they're top 10 in terms of like average drive distance. I think they're like 37, 38 yards per drive, something like that. So they're regularly getting into other teams territories. But what, what really jumped out at me was, I think they're toward the bottom of the league, maybe 27th in the league in terms of big plays, 20 yards or more. And what, what that is is for, this is a team that's kind of been built on big plays, right? Particularly in the running game. And they don't have that right now. So what they're, what they're having to do is is put together these 13, 14, 15 play drives, and they're not always ending in points. And, and that's, it's funny because the Niners' defense has always been built in a way to make the opponent do that, right? Because the theory is the longer you the drive is and the more plays you have to do, the greater the chance that you're going to make a mistake. And it's actually working against the Niners on the other side of the ball right now. And so uh, when I look at just kind of the big picture of the 49ers right now, I don't know what their identity is. I don't know who they are because I think what they wanted to be was similar to 2019, a great running team uh, that can run play action and all that off of that and then play really good defense. I I don't think they expected to be as good as the 2019 defense. I think we would all agree that they're not as good and they don't have the personnel to be as good, but they they were hoping that the offense would maybe kind of make up the slack for that and bring that level back up to, to offset that. And we haven't seen that yet. So I guess that's a super long-winded way of saying I'm not exactly sure who the 49ers are right now.
1: I felt like going into this year, especially after Raheem Mostert got hurt, the the idea was, okay, well, it, that doesn't matter as much because they can generate you know, yards with anybody at running back. That's kind of been their whole MO. I mean, Mostert was that. Like, they found Mostert. As an undrafted guy who was a special teams ace as a holdover from the 2016 team, and it turns out he's a good running back. Um, that seems to not be the case this year. Um, you know, uh, uh, Elijah Mitchell granted he got hurt, but um, he's averaging like 4.2 yards a carry. I think uh, Jamichael Hasty's been hurt, but he wasn't producing a ton. Um, Trey Sermon isn't playing weirdly. Like, what do you think it is with this particular group of running backs? Is it something that's going wrong, do you think, with the offense? Or is it the talent that they've accumulated at the position?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's probably a little bit of both. But one of the reasons that I personally was a believer in Elijah Mitchell early on, and Chris can vouch for me on this, is you could just see that he had the juice, right? Like, he's he's got that ability that, especially in outside zone stuff, when he makes a decision to go, he gets there in a hurry. And... It's not Mostert fast, but I've always said, like, even in the years past, that it just looks different when Mostert's the guy, right? Because of that speed, he can turn what might be a 10- or 12-yard gain for somebody into a 50- or 60-yard touchdown. Um, And those are the kind of big plays that the 49ers have relied on so much over the last couple of years. And so I think they're in a position now where, obviously, Mitchell has been dealing with the shoulder injury, so they haven't really had him. I think the run game would have looked a lot better had they had but it wasn't going to look like it did with Mostert because Mostert is unique in terms of what he brings from a speed perspective. But if you look at what they did from a personnel standpoint, you too, you would say, well, if you were that reliant on Raheem Mostert to be the guy who makes your offense go, that's just bad planning because you know that he has struggled to stay healthy. And they've had a number of guys on offense that they lean on in key roles that have struggled to stay healthy. So um, I, I think the 49ers run game will get better as the season goes on, particularly, I think when Jeff Wilson Jr. gets back, Um, I think he gives them a nice compliment to Mitchell where, especially you get into some of the third and short situations that they've struggled with this year. um, He can maybe pick up that slack and keep the chains moving. So they get more opportunities to run it, which can be just as important as being able to hit those big plays.
3: So one of the things that, that really stands out this season, and and we'll talk about Trey Lance, but this is more of a broader discussion about sort of the younger guys and whether or not um, the 49ers have an issue developing younger guys or whether or not they're picking the right guys, but what what's been odd to me and and Nick, you and I have talked about this in in person, is you know when you look at Aaron Banks, Trey Sermon, Ambry Thomas, um, you know Trey Lance to a certain extent, like it just seems like Kyle Shanahan is more reluctant to play younger guys than usual, and and it's that that that's a fair case, like that's a fair thing to do, if those guys aren't good enough and you don't think they're good enough to contribute right now. But if they're not good enough to contribute right now, that's a problem somewhere between the personnel department and in, in the in the way they're evaluating these guys, or the coaching staff in the way they're developing them. And it just doesn't seem like there's the same cohesiveness organizationally to develop these guys that there was earlier in Kyle Shanahan's tenure, when you know you did have guys like Fred Warner. Um, you know, Mike McGlinchey played better as a rookie. It seemed like when he first came in in 20, 2018 and twenty nineteen. Uh, than he is now and just this draft class has really not helped at all and the 49ers really need this draft class to help so where do you think the disconnect is in terms of uh, the, you know these these young guys who aren't developing maybe as quickly as the 49ers need
2: yeah i mean i think if we're going to be fair about it some of it you have to attribute to what a weird year the last year has been um, you take into account the pandemic and using Avery Thomas as an example a guy who didn't play at all last year um, so he comes in and now he's trying to not only catch up to the speed of the NFL, but just kind of get his legs back under him after missing a whole season. Uh, Aaron Banks, who gets hurt very early in training camp and doesn't get that opportunity to maybe get some of the weight that the Niners don't want off and put some of the good weight on, things like that, um, and, and just really kind of get, get into football shape. But at the same time, to your point, if you're saying, okay, what's the, what's the play here? Are you playing this the long-term game? Are you playing the long game? Or are you trying to win now? And obviously the Niners are trying to thread that needle between doing both of those things, which is, you know, best exemplified, of course, by the quarterback situation. But if you look at a guy like Ambry Thomas, you probably knew going in, like, "Eh, he may not be ready to play this year which then brings up the question of why wasn't cornerback a bigger priority earlier in the draft when, you know, in the second round, a guy, you know, I know you guys have talked about it, but a a guy like Asante Samuel Jr. Where it's not hindsight to say this, everyone was saying at the time of the draft, boy, he'd be a nice get in the second round and they traded down and then missed out on him. So, uh, you know, it's really hard to understand exactly what the thought process is because it's one thing if you have fifth and sixth rounders who maybe are developmental guys who, you know, they're not going to contribute to, years two and three, but the Niners are in a position, as you just mentioned, Chris, they need to, they need contributions from those guys quick and they need them, you know, very early and they need them to be long lasting. And particularly now that they don't have a first round pick in each of the next two drafts, you need these guys to be key, you know, foundational types of guys who are going to contribute for the long term. And so far, at least they haven't been that. And, And in some ways their draft has been inverted because they've gotten more production out of, you know, guys in the fifth and sixth round, or you feel better about those guys than you guys, the guys taking the second and third round. And um, that's a bit of a problem. And particularly in the situation they're in with their future draft picks.
1: I want both your guys' thoughts on this because it ties a little bit into the, the draft discussion, but it fits because the 49ers are playing the Colts and DeForest Buckner. And I think part of the reason that the DeForest Buckner thing hasn't gone the way the 49ers have wanted it to is because of, What they've done with that draft capital or or rather what they haven't been able to do with that draft capital. Uh, I'll ask Nick first, but Chris, I want your answer as well. Is there a, is there a universe where we sit here five years from now and go, Oh, the DeForest Buckner thing actually worked out for the 49ers.
2: I'm actually gonna. I know you said I could go first. I'm gonna let Chris go first because I know he's got some thoughts. So (laughs) empty the clip, my friend. (laughs) No,
1: it's it's well. Okay, Nick's doing the pod now. That's fine. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, Yeah,
3: I, I mean, so the starting point, it doesn't seem very optimistic in terms of looking back at it and saying, okay, this was really a great move, right? And you could go down the case and say, well, you you got a guy who you think is a good player in Javon Kinlaw with the 14th pick and you move back a spot, which gave you some capital to move up for Brandon Ayuk, um, which makes sense, right? Like if you're if, at the time, it all made, it, it made sense. It's like, all right, they're getting more value for the dollar because they're able to get more players and they're not paying a free technique, $20 million. The problem is, is that Javon Kinlaw, who came into the draft with knee issues is now dealing with knee issues Uh, starting late last season that stunted his development probably. And when he has played, he's been a very average player. Like he hasn't been bad. He hasn't been particularly good. And what DeForest Buckner was, was a difference maker and a leader in the room. And somebody, you know, Jimmy Ward called DeForest Buckner the heart and soul of the team earlier this week on Monday. Like that's not a small thing, right? Like DeForest Buckner was a captain. He always practiced. He never missed time with injury. He always played at a high level. Like if DeForest Buckner had a bad game, like I don't remember it, you know, like that was and and we have that same conversation about Fred Warner and there are a lot of similarities there just in terms of their approach and their professionalism and all that stuff is super valuable. And so the risk you take in in watering down your roster by trading DeForest Buckner for more draft picks is you have to hit on those guys because now DeForest Buckner is an all pro with the Colts. And he's gonna come in and probably go against Daniel Brunskill a lot and have his way with Daniel Brunskill because we know Daniel Brunskill's not that good. All Tough while the, out, though. <laughs> all while the 49ers uh, great point are dealing with the Aaron Banks situation. Brandon and Ayuk has not had a good second season so far. Like, so if, if we're looking at the starting point from from this discussion, it's just not overly optimistic right now. Until Javon Kinlaw turns into a better player, until Eric Armstead gets more sacks, and until Brandon Ayuk is living up to his star potential, which I think everybody on this podcast thinks he has, so for now it doesn't look good. There's a possibility that it gets there, but counting on all three of those guys to hit in a way that they haven't just yet is a little bit scary if you're if you're the front office. And I think if you were to if you were to give John Lynch 37 my ties, he might tell you that.
2: Yeah, to, to be uh to be completely transparent, like I mean I was I was somebody who at the time of the trade, I was kind of in that Chris Rock mindset, like the old bit that he used to do about like I'm not saying I would have done it, but I understand, you know, like that <laughs> like that was that was that was kind of how I felt about the trade. Like I you know, I I I don't know that I would have traded to force Buckner, but I understood what their reasons were for it. But what's interesting is and, and Chris you just touched on this a little bit is the Niners are built in a very kind of non-traditional way, just in terms of who their highest paid players are. And that's okay because part of that is, is they've drafted well at positions that are maybe hard to find elite guys at, middle linebacker, tight end, defensive tackle. So I'm not I'm not criticizing them for that. But what I am saying is that in most situations, you want your highest paid players to be your quarterback, a pass rusher, uh, a um A left tackle, a cornerback, and then maybe that fifth spot is a little bit of a wild card, so it could be whatever. But generally, maybe a pass catcher of some sort. But the Niners, if you look at the way they're built right now, it's a quarterback, it's a linebacker, it's a tight end, it's you know, it's it's different things than what you would expect it to be. You know, obviously Nick Bosa is going to be one of those guys soon, so that's your pass rusher. You know, you can you can plug that, but um, it's a it's a defensive lineman who's maybe more of a you know, an interior guy in Eric Armstead, but you didn't pay DeForest Buckner, who is an interior guy as well. And I understood it for that reason. Paying 20 plus plus million dollars a year to a defensive tackle not named Aaron Donald was a big ask. But the thing that I personally probably overlooked, and I think maybe the 49ers overlooked at the time, was what Chris touched on, and that's the durability factor. If I'm if I'm looking at those guys and I'm let's say let's say that you're in your mind it was well we can only sign two out of three of Buckner, Kittle, Warner. Well, those are all three non-traditional positions that you're going to pay top of the market money to. To me, I think you probably want the two guys who are going to be on the field the most. In that in that scenario, and 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 I'm not saying anything against George Kittle. Obviously, George Kittle's a great player. I'm not saying they even made the wrong decision. If you're looking at it in those terms, mm-hmm. I just think that the durability factor, particularly for this team and the issues that they've had, uh, was it was was a big thing. And, and I realize that's maybe a little bit hindsight. It is at least on my part, I can admit that. But um, the Buckner thing, I do have a hard time seeing how it's going to turn out to be in the Niners favor or even somewhat close to even when it's all said and done.
1: Well, it made a lot of sense when Eric Armstead was coming off a 10 sack season where it's like, okay, if Eric Armstead's giving you seven or eight sacks and then Javon Kinlaw was supposed to be like an impactful player relatively quickly. Like that was the whole point is they're going to pay him a fraction of what they were going to pay DeForest Buckner and get I think 75 to 80% was kind of the number that I would throw around. Like, can you get 75% of DeForest Buckner's production for 50% of the cost? And at that point, it's like, okay, that that makes sense. But when Armstead's giving you one sack and Javon Kinlaw is giving you nil in terms of a pass rush, now you have a significant problem where it's, I don't know if it's hindsight, but it's like, this isn't going the way that you thought it would because I was in the same camp. Like I said, I thought it made sense when they traded him, but now looking back on it, a year and a half later, it's like, well, if if Javon Kinlaw is going to be uh, a non-factor as a pass rusher, I I, I don't see how this is ever going to work out.
3: At yeah, this point, yeah. at, at this point, Javon Kinlaw is like a glorified nose tackle. Yes right like he's he's not he's not your featured interior pass rusher he's not like a three technique who you line up on the outside shoulder of the guard with an end on that side and just say all right go get him javon Mm
1: -hmm. like
3: that's not his game he's basically a two down player right now and he's better against the run than he is as a pass rusher and you don't need to get those guys with a first round like a a pick in the top half of the first round you can get those guys in other ways and particularly like cd lamb's really good Tristan Wirfs is really good. These are guys that the 49ers didn't draft that they could clearly use based on what we know through five games this season. So I know some of that is high is hindsight, but also like Javon Kinlaw had knee issues going into his going into the draft, right? Yeah. Like that's, mm-hmm. that, that's something that they overlooked. So that, that to me is, is the issue here. Like you look at the 49ers health, collectively and and they they put a lot of faith in guys with injury histories and they continue to do that with kinlaw and right now it doesn't look like it's paying off
2: and and to Kyle's point and I should have thrown Armstead into that mix with with uh Kittle and and Warner as guys who got paid highly that you could you know people say oh it's too simple to say they chose Armstead over Buckner and maybe so because there was a difference in the price but it's also not that far off I mean there was a way to make it work with DeForest Buckner, they would have probably had to sacrifice in Armstead, um, but I think they could have made a way, found a way to make it work. And I also think it's, it's um, intellectually dishonest to, to act like the Niners kept like 12 players at the expense of DeForest Buckner. You know what I mean? Right. Like it, it wasn't that serious. The Niners get creative with the way they've structured contracts. We've seen them do it with guys over and over again here in the recent past, particularly with the cap downturn and all that. So they could have figured out a way to make that work. As it pertains to Javon Kinlaw, like I have an issue, and I said this—I think I might have even said that this on this podcast at the time. One of the issues that I had is I don't like the idea of trading away a known commodity, who's a really good player, for a guy at the same position. At first of all, right. it puts un, it puts unfair expectations on the guy coming in because everyone was expecting Javon Kinlaw, like, oh, he's going to be DeForest Buckner at a fraction of the cost because that's how life works and it doesn't, you know, like, and, and so that was, that was kind of unfair from the beginning, but also to Chris's point, they're very different players. And so you've got Javon Kinlaw who is playing three technique, but isn't really a three technique, at least not in the sense of what do you expect in this particular scheme and what you want in terms of a pass rusher. And you just don't draft a guy who's not a pass rusher in that spot. And maybe he can get there. Maybe he can get better, but that's, you know, there's a big, that's a big question mark right now. And um, there's a lot of positions that they could be better at had they maybe invested that, that draft pick a little bit differently and gone a different way and got a defensive tackle a little bit later on.
1: 49ers football is finally back. It's in full swing. And maybe you want to get out to a game. Well, there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore. That's right. Put the Google away. Put the Ask Jeeves away or whatever search engine you're using because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one that you will ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. See, what TickPick did, and it's brilliant, they got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, you know, where you find these super cheap tickets, but then all the service fees end up costing more than the actual ticket. Yeah, none of that with TickPick. It allows them to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. And if you don't believe it, if you can find a better price for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price so the 49ers are on the road in week five they're off week six but then check this out week seven at home sunday night football in the bison bowl as chris named it trey lance against carson wentz is a very real possibility and you're going to want to be in Levi stadium for that it's sunday night football it's going to be electric i can't wait to be there the atmosphere at Levi stadium for night games if you haven't experienced it yet you need to because it's unbelievable. I know Chris will be there in the press box. I'll be there in the press box. And when it, when that stadium gets rocking, the press box shakes a little bit. And yeah, it's a little scary, but it's also awesome. So so visit TickPick.com/candlestick today and use the promo code Candlestick to save ten dollars on your first order of 49ers tickets. We'll see you at Levi Stadium.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
3: So Nick, what, what do you think with the Niners coming off the buy? They have the Indianapolis Colts who haven't been a very good team, but do have a talented roster, do have a quarterback that, and Carson Wentz, who actually won a game at Levi's Stadium last year, um, which is kind of crazy to think about. But I'm kind of expecting the 49ers to come out of their bye like a really frustrated team and and play pretty well because we've seen them play pretty well out of buys um, in years past, including last year when they went down to L.A. and beat the Rams with Nick Mullins starting. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're probably going to be fed up with all the discussions surrounding them and and the struggles and things like that. And the fact that Brandon Ayuk hasn't gotten a bubble screen yet. Um, I, I'm expecting them to come out and, and kind of put it on the Colts. I think there's there's a possibility that that happens. Where are you at in terms of what you're expecting Sunday night? Yeah,
2: I, I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Like I I think there's a, a like there's a game here that the Niners are going to break out and things are going to click a little bit, and it would make sense to be this one um, coming out of the bye against an opponent that has struggled that is flying a good chunk of the way across the country for a Sunday night game. And the, the crazy thing is, and I don't know what the reason for this is, but the Niners have not played well at home uh, in, in a while. You know, I think it's been quite a while since they've won a game at home. And so um, I, I think there's going to be a little bit of a desperation factor and, and the Colts should have that too, at least theoretically, but I think the Niners are probably going to have more of that. And I think the Niners, you know, you're getting guys like Kaywan Williams back. Uh, you know, I, I think this could be a game where Jimmy Garoppolo has a really good game. Like there's going to be one or two that are going to happen at some point, I think, um, where he's going to have a good game and put up some big numbers. So I could see it being this one. I do expect them to win. I don't know how comfortably they're going to win, but I I do expect them to, to at least even their record at, at three and three and go to Chicago with a chance to get back above, above 500.
1: Yeah. I was doing some looking with the Colts defense today. DeForest Buckner, who we were just talking about is their team leader in pressures. They're, two best defensive ends have five combined sacks and their pass defense is 29th in DVOA. If they can't move the ball in the air in this game, regardless of whether, you know, regardless of the fact that George Kittle's not playing, I think it's it becomes a very real conversation because of everything you just laid out. Like, this is a prime scenario where Garoppolo has a week one type of game where he's super efficient and he throws for 300 plus yards and he throws a couple of touchdowns and the Niners offense looks really dominant again if they go out and go off at four and a half yards of play and score 17 points and you know need to scramble late to try and punch one in I think we look at a very real scenario where you have to look at the the long-term viability of Jimmy Garoppolo being the quarterback, because if he's supposed to give the 49ers the best chance to win and they can't go out and play well and win in this scenario, like what scenario are they going to, are they going to be able to go win with? Because the next week is in Chicago. The week after that it's home against the Cardinals who are six and zero. and good FYI, the Rams are pretty good FYI they're up in week 10. Like it start, it starts to look like, Hey, there's not a lot of games that they're going to win down the stretch here i just went big picture with it go ahead chris
3: <laughs> um yeah i i agree with everything you said i wanted i've Hell said yeah. a lot about about trey lance here
1: <laughs> hey nick do you have any thoughts on the niners quarterback situation <laughs> I, no, wanted, what, what, I wanted to toss doing? it to nick one big thing...
2: Nate sunfeld guy here so <laughs> right yeah. that's why we wanted to ask yeah so, their backup quarterback situation is fire right now There's no fire. <laughs>
3: I think Nick and I, Nick and I feel similarly. I think about Trey Lance just as a whole. Like I think we're both bullish on Trey Lance as a prospect and and his chances of succeeding here. But I think we disagree on the manner in which, like his rookie year is starting. Right, because I've been I've made it very clear. I think he should have been starting from week one. Nick doesn't necessarily. So Nick, I'm just want to give you the floor where are you at on on trey lance and how kyle shanahan's handling all this yeah
1: i don't don't, know i don't
2: know i don't even know if we have a dissenting opinion i think a lot of what i've tried to just out when i talk with chris just randomly is like what i think the niners are thinking and and it doesn't necessarily line up with my thinking but i also i know this isn't allowed on a podcast but i don't have like a super strong opinion about it either like i I don't i don't have like a I know. I know. I know. I suck. Forget my alpha energy. It's gone.
1: <laughs> uh, Such no, a normie
2: take. I know. Right. But I, uh, you know, I, I can kind of see like all sides to to the, to the argument, but you know, I would fall into the camp of like, I would just like to see Trey Lance. And, and, you know, if you, if you really, if you really made me make a decision, that's probably the way I would lean. I also think that he's clearly got some things to work on. You know, you, you don't like a lot of the running and things like, I still don't understand having nine design runs or whatever it was in the Arizona game. But also you'd like to see him get rid of the ball and not add the extra seven, you know, maybe add two or three more um, because he tucked it and ran instead of that many more. So he's at 16. So there's there's kind of a fine line there. I do think I'm definitely of the belief that the only way for him to get better and to maximize his potential is to play. Um, I, you know, it's, it, there ain't nothing to it, but to do it, it, it is definitely true when it comes to playing quarterback. And uh, I think that's for him, especially because he didn't play much last year, it's even more important. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think that we're probably headed towards a scenario in which he is going to take over. I think, uh, we had to make a, you know, a prediction at the beginning of the year on when that was going to happen. And I think I predicted week 11 which is the Jacksonville game. Obviously it already happened because of the injury, but I still think that that might be, as Kyle just alluded to, if things don't go super well here over the next couple of weeks, it might happen sooner. But I, I think that if they do go well over the next couple of weeks, then you get into that Arizona Ram scenario and it's like your season is kind of being, you know, made or broken at that time. And if you come out of that with a couple more losses and all of a sudden you're staring at 0 and four in the division, if you're not going to do it, then when are you going to do it? You know, Jacksonville would be a favorable scenario to do it. So yeah, I say all that to say, I, I personally can understand why the 49ers are being cautious with Trey Lance, um, especially after watching the game plan and what they did with him in that Arizona game. If they're not, if they're not at a place where they're going to have uh, better ways to use him and deploy him uh, then, then they don't need him out there until they figure that out. So um i think that we're gonna see him though at some point here and and once once they do probably the next time it probably will be for good
1: if you had to make that prediction again would you revise it
2: yeah i would have said uh week five against arizona because jimmy
1: (laughs) garoppolo no i mean (laughs) like when he when he Uh, takes over like as the starter moving forward
2: oh like like legit like realistically what i think yeah yeah yeah. i mean i i I don't get the impression that the 49ers are in a hurry to make him the starter right um and i i kind of said all along that i thought the reason or the the way it would happen is if jimmy starts turning the ball over a lot um which hasn't necessarily happened but there have certainly been some bad turnovers uh looking at you was that green bay game yeah yeah looking at the the, uh backwards uh (laughs) the spike Yeah, whatever that was. Uh, but, the bad call. But yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Ter- terrible refereeing calling that exactly like it was supposed to be. Uh, but, but, yeah, it Didn't go was exactly
1: right on the first try.
2: <laughs> right, right, yeah, exactly. Not going, having to go to replay at all. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the ticket that leads to, to Jimmy getting benches if there's a bunch of turnovers. Because if Trey Lance is going to turn the ball over and, you know, he still has the issues with throwing high – um, and, and you do that over the middle of the field in the NFL, it's going to turn into interceptions like it did in Arizona. Um, but if you're going to live with turnovers, you'd rather live with turnovers with the guy who is going to dr- dramatically elevate the ceiling of what your offense can be and not the guy who you know what he is. And that's the whole thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. If, if you want to make the case against him, you know what he is. And it's not, he's not terrible. You know, he's not. He's, he's a mid-level NFL quarterback. That's what the numbers show. It's what he's been. I just think that we're now at a point where the idea of him, oh, he can go to another level. Yeah, I think we're past that. I, I don't. I don't think that exists anymore. Um, but what the offense can be with Trey Lance firing on all cylinders, probably not going to happen this year. But you can get to that a little bit quicker the sooner
3: that he gets in there. Nick, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. All your work is awesome, by the way. I know we talk a lot. I don't. I don't know if I if I let you know how good your work is, if you don't read Nick on ESPN.com, you you definitely should. Um, he makes all of us smarter. So Nick, thanks for coming on and uh, we appreciate you, bud. Well, I appreciate it. And sorry for outing you Kyle on the whole like intro thing. Uh, <laughs> that was all a
2: lie. Everybody was content. I was Kyle, contemplating. Kyle, Kyle, does <laughs> Kyle does it by himself and it's very detailed and a <laughs> job. So, and that was just, a, that was just a joke. It was a bit
1: classic. What, what happened with that was a classic, radio mistake of oh i know this topic inside and out i don't have to prepare for it i was like oh i know nick we talk all the time i don't have to write a little intro thing which i typically do and you know i left out the part that you work for espn so that's my fault lesson learned thank you for embarrassing me um (laughs) sometimes that's the only way the lesson gets across
2: absolutely you've you've got you've got to fight through adversity sometimes and uh i expect you to take a holistic approach to to getting it all fixed
1: yeah no i I definitely will um the intro is an underappreciated skill of mine and i take a lot of pride in that it's the spine of the show really it is (laughs) and um i'm gonna get better moving forward a lot of people say that the real mistakes you make are the friends we made along the way <laughs> so all
3: right we're gonna get out of here nick thanks yeah. are coming on i was hoping someone was gonna
1: bail me out i was just gonna keep talking all
3: night
1: we gotta fire tomorrow.
3: off
2: every every bit he's ever done kyle's gonna bring out right yeah.
1: there <laughs> <laughs> this is going through the rolodex <laughs> oh how about beating the heat guys am i right <laughs> Booty season. all right guys we'll yeah. uh,
3: we'll be back with another preview pod uh on Friday to talk about the 49ers and Colts game more in depth, yeah. and uh, we'll see you guys then. Subscribe, rate, and review, do those things.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you.